Boat motors are often loud and emit pollutants, disrupting a peaceful, clean environment, and often disrupting that beach day. But that's about to change. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we explore eco-innovations that make life better. This week, we review the Torquedo, a manufacturer of electric inboard and outboard motors. Their motto, we create the future of how people move on the water. We're joined by Steve Turkla, president of Torquedo. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Robert. Pleasure to be here. Well, your company's a pioneer in this field, uh, going back to 2004, uh, which is a long time to be making electric motors. Uh, When your founders realized the market niche, uh, tell us about your aha moment that said, hey, (laughs) there's a market for these. Well, yeah, that's a great question. The aha moment really did start in Europe, to be fair. Um, the, the two original founders of the company, Dr. Ballin and, and uh, Dr. Fritz Bubel, um, basically they, um, they were both um, owners of some boats on Lake Starnberg, which is a beautiful lake in the mountains of uh, Bavaria, just, um, or excuse me, the Alp Mountains in Bavaria. And uh, in 2000, I want to say 2003, uh, the Bavarian government or the German government mandated that Lake Starnberg needs to become what's called a green lake. And so they mandated that uh, a lake that's basically 16 kilometers long and about five kilometers wide needs to be uh, combustion engine free. And in that process, um, the again, one of the founders who had been living on the lake restored a boat, invited his friend over to come see his beautiful boat and kept laughing at the a little electric trolling motor that he had on the back of the boat. And he looked at his partner and basically said, well, what do you want me to do? This is what's available today. And so the more research that they did, they, the more they discovered that um, no one, no one worldwide has been really looking at becoming a frontline manufacturer of, of mainstream electric propulsion in the marine industry. And hence, uh, born in a boathouse, uh, like uh, <laughs> Torquedo was founded. That's a great story. Um, electric boat motors, they just seem so sensible and seems like a simple idea. What's kept others from uh, creating them on a mass scale prior to that? Well, I think, uh, I think prior to that really was the technology. I mean, over the last 20 years, technology in electric, uh, electric motors and in lithium battery and hydrogen fuel cell technologies has really just boomed. And by doing so, it, it actually made it uh, made it more uh, more applicable to to as you can see obviously in the auto industry and following by the marine industry um, where the clock started to eventually start to come down because it was always very cost prohibitive up to that point um, and so as costs started coming down as technology continued to improve year in and year out lithium battery cells got smaller and smaller the energy density went higher and higher and the price kept coming down and so it allowed uh, it allowed a lot of European manufacturers to really take advantage of the new technologies. I think that was initially the the uh, the kind of the the genesis of it in Europe, and uh, and and I would couple that with, of course, again Europe. Europe has been ahead of the U.S. in sense of of green thinking and protecting uh, protecting the futures. And so they there's a lot more government legislations and things that mandate uh, the green movement. So I think that also um, kind of kind of push the needle forward. Water and batteries don't mix well, uh, so there must be lots of challenges of working in a marine environment. Uh, tell us what some of the uniquenesses are in manufacturing 
electric motors that can operate in marine environments? Well, again, um, from Torquedo's perspective, it, it has been the, the lithium battery world. We were in the lead acid world before that. Um, and I can tell you that uh, lead acid batteries weren't really conducive to, to marine applications either, and yet have been used for many, many years, even as, as house batteries for house loads on so many different applications in, in marine. Um, and so for us with, with, um, with, with the advancements again in, in lithium, um, we were able to uh, take advantage of its lightweightness because lithium is quite significantly lighter. Um, we were able to take advantage of uh, much better energy densities, which allow, of course, if you're going to drive a, a, a very high torque electric engine, you need to be able to have that fuel source that can maintain some significant range. Um, and so, uh, and so coupling that, I think, with with the BMS systems today, the battery management systems, and the technologies designed for all of the safety features that are put into lithium battery technology helps in a marine environment. What I mean by that is um, we've done things as putting thermal fuses on each individual uh, lithium cell that if a cell was to, to actually start overheating can release the heat. We have electronic fuses that also can, can pop and give an error code reading to protect. So we built all, all these safety mechanisms into the lithium battery technology. Also utilizing an engineering standard of IP67, which is basically meaning that, um, that lithium batteries can be submerged up to three meters for up to an hour underwater and still be safe. As I mentioned in the intro, the constant buzz of the uh, gas-powered uh, engines often disrupts the serene, peaceful environment you find on rivers, lakes, and oceans that we all go to to cherish. How much quieter are your electric engines than those traditional hydrocarbon-powered motors? Yeah, that's a really good question. I can tell you in the trolling world, right? Trolling motors, they've been around for 100 years, as you know, if not more. <laughs> Um, and uh, they were always designed to be whisper quiet. So many of them were, were direct drive, small electric motors meant to, to move the prop very slowly, very efficiently and very quietly. And so that was, that was definitely always the part of it. When we initially entered the market though, for us, it was to go beyond trolling, right? We Torquedo in 2005, basically launched the first series of motors that were mainstream compete against the combustion engines. So we went after a market from one horsepower all the way up to 9.9 .9 horsepower. And today we're playing all the way up to 150, up to 300 horsepower. So basically, um, if you have a, a what we call a geared motor, there is a little noise, right? We cannot, we didn't eliminate the noise in the geared motors. And so as it would step from each gear, you would hear a little bit of a whine. But if you're talking about, even for me, I've been a boater my whole life. Uh, I boat out here on the chain of lakes out here uh, in Northwest Illinois. Um, I'm operating a 24-foot pontoon boat with a uh, basically an 80-horsepower electric motor on it. And what I love the most about it, Robert, is that when I'm zipping across the water, what I hear are the waves splashing against my boat. I just don't hear the motor. Now, if you go back to the back of the boat and you put your ear to it, certainly there is still, in the geared motors, there is still somewhat of, of, of a noise, um, but it's much less, of course, than any of the combustion. A motor is only part of the equation. You have to have a boat to put it on. So right. watercraft can take all shapes and sizes. What kind of commercial and recreational vehicles mm -hmm. do your electric motors operate on, both the outboard and inboard? 
Yeah, no, great question. We play in many, many segments. I can tell you today, um, uh, now being in business for over 16 years, um, here just in the U.S. alone, we work with over 200 different boat builder OEMs, and we have a, a dealer base of over 350 dealers. Um, and we're also in major retailers like West Marine or, or Bass Pro Shops, right? So we really have a, a, a very large presence of different motors. But when you're talking about all of these different segments, for us, I think that we initially, our first major success was what was called the travel motor. It was a little three horsepower motor where we designed in the lithium battery at the head of the motor. So it would attach directly to it, which was unheard of at that time. It was kind of taking the power tool technology, if you will, by slapping on the lithium battery. And so by doing that, it made it, uh, made it very lightweight first made it very, very efficient. And we at that time went after the sailing market. So we went after tenders and day sailors and small boats. Um, this was a motor that could move boats up to uh, 1.5 tons. So you'll find us on small Mel Melges and Pearson boats or day boats, in the sailing community. And then like I said, lots of different tenders. As the, as the market expanded, we found that in the US, the, the greatest um, the greatest, if you're talking about green, the, the, the greatest market for us ended up being all of these small green lakes that you find, and there's thousands of them throughout North America, that are usually mandated at a local level. These are not state, state or nationally mandated markets. Um, they, they are generally done by homeowners associations, small little lakes, right? They want to keep horsepower down. They don't want erosion. They want to keep it quiet yeah. on their lake. And so we designed a series of what we call the cruise motors that have been tremendously successful in pontoon boats. And the pontoon so, boat So you've got, so Steve, you got uh, sail, small, smaller boats, sailboats, pontoon boats, what other kind, just quick summary of the boats that this will go on. Yeah, so on the recreational side. So let me keep it with the recreational side for now. So yes, again, uh, the pontoon market is very big for us. Skips and fishing markets, offshore, small offshore fishing boats, very big market for us. Again, the day sailor and the tender market, extremely popular. We ventured into the fishing segment, uh, I want to say in 2008, 2009, when we came out with a kayak fishing motor. And, uh, and so we ended up really getting immersed into a whole new market in, in the fishing segment and the kayak fishing segment in general, which has become one of the fastest growing sports in North America, all the way up to the fact that they have national, um, a national tournament now with big prize money, right? So um, what other yeah. boat types, Steve? And so on the commercial side, as we got into larger horsepower, we also do one of our strongest markets has been water taxis, water ferries, tour boats. We did the Oklahoma City water taxi, which is a really neat touring uh, tour system in their little Oklahoma River through their downtown. Um, we did the Ottawa, um, a, a beautiful tour boat called the Queen Elizabeth II up on the Ridow Canal, which is a UNESCO heritage site that, uh, that transfers tourists back and forth. We've, um, so, um, we've done, and worldwide, we've done them anywhere from Rotterdam to many in Germany, Spain, Italy, uh, and so the, 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 the commercial side of the market has been very big for us as well. Well, that's, that's quite a diverse range of uh, uh, boats that you offer these for. Let's yeah. talk about uh, specs, just, uh, you know, maybe bullet point uh, number one. How long will a, a, a battery stay charged and how long does it take to recharge it? Uh, sure. Well, that's, that's kind of an open-ended question, Robert, really, because that can vary so greatly, right? 
I mean, basically there is math involved and the math is, is basically telling you that you have certain watt hour of a battery and so many kilowatt, or me, watt hour of a motor and certain kilowatt of a battery. Um, and then you do the, the kind of the conversion, right? On the recreational side, we've pretty much kind of laid into a, an area where we tell generally people that uh, they can get a range just under an hour full throttle and up to about eight hours max range. This is on our systems and our batteries as they operate with our, our unique, um, obviously our unique models. It, but again, it can vary so greatly on, on different modes. Okay, and how long would it take to recharge that? And again, same thing. Technologies. It's all about. It's all about the, the you know the, the charging um, stations that you put in the charging units that you use. We do have fast chargers. They do cost more money, of course, on, um, to be able to fast charge. Generally, what we do as an uh, as a retail product, our charging units usually are an overnight charge. Um, takes anywhere from eight. To hours so pretty much uh, overnight your boat should be charged by the next day um, okay. but of course in commercial applications where you have duty cycles and you're transporting people back and forth you need to be able to increase that and so you are able to do that through through, um, through stronger charging and where are you able to charge those in the marina well, the, the nice part about the marine industry outside of the car industry is the car industry as they move they move forward in their electric initiatives, they still have a quite of a large infrastructure to build, right? I mean, we need tra charging stations like we need gas stations across the country. In the marine industry, if you look coast to coast, certainly this, this takes place on the coastal marinas and also on the Great Lakes. You already have so many of the marinas where the infrastructure is already in place where you have 30 and 50 amp charging units at the slips um, uh, on these pedestals that allow you to charge, you know, today it was for charging your house loads, but now can be converted into uh, assisting in charging electric boats. Steve, what's your biggest challenge these days on bringing your uh, technology to market and expanding your operation? Mm, yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. I will say that the, the fun part, I've been with the company now for almost all 16 years. I will say the fun part was we were kind of left alone for many years. We just were. The trolling industry continued to do what they did, but we were just out there grabbing market share and, and, and winning innovation awards and moving forward. Um, but that's changed. And what's changed, of course, is um, we were early. We were the first. And so we kind of had to create the buzz, create the market create the groundswell and today that groundswell is rolling down the hill and so we've had announcements just in the last year from some of the biggest competitors in marine from brunswick boat group to yamaha to volvo penta that have all announced electric initiatives over the next five years so our biggest challenge is going to be fending competition <laughs> and continuing to stay of course relevant with new technologies well, as the investors say, that's always a good sign when there's competition in a market. That means there's a market. So That is correct. So, so let's talk correct. a bit about the economics. Just a quick summary is uh, if you take a, one of your traditional electric motors, compare it to a compatible uh, gas-powered uh, one, mm -hmm. what's the cost look like? Yeah, so uh, so there is a difference, right? Uh, your combustion engines are still significantly uh, in, in price, are, are less money. They just are. Gas is cheaper. Um, we've always used the term, and this has always been kind of one of our big selling points, is that electric versus gas 
um, is over time. And we always tell a consumer that, yes, you may buy my three horsepower motor for $2,000. You can probably buy a three horse gas powered motor for about six, $700. But over time, from either, um, you know, you're servicing your motor, changing out the carbs, cleaning the motors, you know, all of the different, um, and, and then of course, add the gas model to it. Over time, we do become a cheaper solution. It's and, much and that's, more dramatic on the on the on the workboat side, though. As you get into the bigger system, then it really just becomes an economically uh, a, a better solution to go electric versus gas. And that's consistent with a lot of green technologies. The capital expense is higher, but the operating costs are lower. So over time, the total cost of ownership is, is cheaper. Um, do you see the cost of your electric motor starting the capital cost and initial purchase price coming down over time? I would say the answer is yes. And the answer had already been kind of, that was already kind of happening before COVID. I, I must admit that COVID has thrown a, uh, a wrinkle into that over the last two years. Um, you are talking about, uh, you know, getting PCB boards and getting all sorts of electronics and, and whatnot has become almost where you're, you're fighting the open market to try to get the best price and it is driving up the cost. So I will say currently we are seeing an, an, an increase, um, but I still say over time as we continue to advance in the technology itself, and it really is advancing, we will get back to that, that, uh, that level where Hopefully one day, I'm not saying it will ever happen, but I do hope one day that we get to that point where we can say we're equal to a combustion engine. <laughs> so there's there's usually two reasons why a company's headquarters is located there. You know, one, there's some functional uh, reason for citing a property there, or two, the CEO lives there. Why are you in Crystal Lake? Is it because you could use the rate lake to test things? Or well, is it... <laughs> no, that's, a, that's also a really good question. I think at the time, um, uh, what the Germans were thinking at the time, okay, was two places. They were looking at Miami, which really would be a logical choice. It's kind of the kind of one of the of the marine industry in the U.S. Certainly, the Miami Boat Show is considered to be the single biggest, most important show in, in the marine industry. Um, but what made Chicago also so attractive was logistics, right? Center to the country, shipping, being able to ship out, right? We really looked at it as a central location was much more in tune for what we were looking for to establish a distribution and, and, and um, dealer network. It was just easier to out of a, a central location. Well, Steve, we appreciate you being on Green Sense and sharing your thoughts on uh, how we can keep those lakes, rivers, and oceans uh, more peaceful and still enjoy boating. I definitely appreciate, Robert. Thank you so much. That's Steve Turkla, president of Torquedo. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense. Subscribe to our podcast at greensensefarms.com and listen for the Green Sense Minute on Thursdays and Saturdays on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.